Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program. Great to have you here for another week. Coming up today on the show, Alex Debrinkit being taken to arbitration by the Ottawa Senators. Is this the start of Debrinkit heading out of town? Michael Andlauer is your winner in the ownership bidding race. The next owner of the Ottawa Senators, Michael Andlauer, and some local guys as well. The Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup. Man, a lot of stuff has happened since we last got together here. Uh, Mayor Sutcliffe floating the idea of a downtown arena. Eric Carlson agrees to be traded by San Jose. The Red Blacks, more of the same. All still ahead today here on the program. My name is Steve Warren. Thank you for being with us today. And I'm joined, as always, by the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are you? Very good. Thank you for asking, Stephen. Uh, it, it's uh, it's Father's Day tomorrow. So before we forget, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers who, who listen and enjoy our show. Thank you for listening and happy Father's Day. And of course, Father's Day means it's U.S. Open weekend. That's always exciting. Primetime golf. That's kind of cool, too. Should be a good weekend. Yeah. Fathers and sons, fathers and daughters. Uh, golf weekend, like you say, I always think about, you know, my dad and I watching the U S open together and, uh, our, our, basically every year, our tradition was chicken wings and ribs as much as we could eat. There'd be tons left over, but we just eat ourselves silly, watch the U S open. And it became a great tradition. Um, just, you know, watching sports with my dad, that's what I think about when, uh, when it comes to father's day, what's, uh, what's your immediate thought when it comes to dad and sports and all that yeah it's funny i'm on the exact same way you know most of my my memories of time with my father center around watching sports together and i i, I may have to go watch sunday with them just but then again it's it's going to be in the night it's an evening right so but but you're absolutely right fathers and and sons and sports and that's what the, the ties that bind and I've, I've been watching sunday afternoon golf and nhl playoff games and nhl regular season games and baseball games and anything else with my father uh who, God love him, is still kicking at almost 92 years old now. So I'll, I'll spend some time with him on Sunday for sure. Yeah, fathers and daughters too. Like I, I wouldn't trade my time in sports with my daughter growing up, playing high-level soccer and high-level hockey and the time we spent in the car, hours and hours and hours together and talking. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, the way I feel about my dad and 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 sports and and the love I had for him, I'm, I'm hoping that my daughter will feel that one. I'm gone many years from now. Well, hopefully many years from now. Who knows? We're all we're all on day to day right now. Anyway, let's get at it. We got lots to get to today, and certainly a new father and Alex DeBrinket. It is looking more and more like the Senators' eventual game plan with DeBrinket is to trade him and try and get what they can for him while they can. Uh, our pal Bruce Garriock at Post Media cited a source on Thursday saying the Sens have now opted to take the restricted free agent forward to arbitration, and. Uh, so no matter what happens now, because what what will happen is based on the rules, the Sens could end up with like a fifteen percent discount on that three million to break it made last year, or or the team that he might get traded to. But no matter what happens, um, on the off chance this thing actually makes it to arbitration, DeBrinket would only be entitled to a one year term. That's the rule for RFAs in the final year of their deals, and that Greg is meaningful because if that's where the Sens are willing to take this right now, it means they don't believe a long term arrangement with DeBrinket is in the cards. Is that your read on it too? Yeah, I think, but I guess the, the other, the other read on it is I, you go to arbitration and you get a contract, you have no uh, holdout 
option. Of course, the holdout option has all sorts of penalties attached to it these days, but it's even worse if you've been to arbitration and given a contract and then try to hold out. So that's off the table. If, if it doesn't get to arbitration and a contract is awarded, the holdout is off the table. So they're, they're pretty much guaranteed uh, that they're going to get at least this year out of him. If he's still around, they're going to get the year out of him. I just, I just, I think it's sad that it's come to this and it's, it, it kind of, it, it sucks. You know, he's a, he's a very good player. It was exciting to, to, to have him here and an adjustment season for sure. But I was looking forward to, to seeing him bounce back and have an, an even better season this coming year. I mean, it's not totally a, over and done with yet. There's still time. Something still can be worked out. I hope it can be worked out, but it's not looking good. No, it's not. And it sounds like, you know, every insider around this thing is already calling it a fait accompli, basically. Here's what I can tell you from our source. Um, we had a source earlier this week that basically was saying, and this is a source close to the DeBrinket family, uh, recently told me that Alex likes the coach a lot and loves the team. He would like to stay in Ottawa, but knows this is the deal that needs to have term in it, like a cool Caulfield. And in an update that I got from this source, it sounds like DeBrinket is basically so hands-off in these negotiations. He's, he's basically what he's done is deferring ex- entirely to his agent and, and the people that are closest to him. So this is the quote from my source. When it comes to waiting on ownership to be finalized, that never had anything to do with this. Alex is not your typical star. He's beyond humble. And while he's happy in Ottawa, he's simply going to do what people he trusts tell him to do. So it's not that they've closed the door on Ottawa long-term, what seems to be happening is that his people don't appear to be willing to forego the open auction of UFA next summer, not unless the Sens really make it worth their while or whatever team he ends up with really make it worth their while between now and then. But if, if, is it really a matter of, you know, I, I want to get eight years, I need term or or I need term for my client, I guess in the agent's words. The senators would be willing to give him term, wouldn't they? I can't believe it's it's going to fall apart because the senators don't want to give him eight years. That that would be just terrible if that were if that's the final answer out of this, then that's just wrong. Yeah, I think the reference to term from the source is basically getting the best deal you can at this point in time, right? You only get this this window basically once in your career. You're in your prime, an opportunity to maximize your worth in the NHL. And I think that's what he's getting at. And on the other side of the coin, so while this, I, I, I would say, you know what, Debrinket is still responsible for what his people are doing here. And, and, and you, at the end of the day, it's, it, it should be your desires. But it really does sound like he's a different cat, uh, forgive the pun, um, than most NHL players. And he really does. He has no interest at all in any of the outside noise. And he just basically wants, okay, I, I don't know what's going on here with this stuff. And I don't really, you know, you guys, I trust you guys. Do the best thing for me. That does not mean, you know, that he wants out of Ottawa or, you know, he dislikes the situation. That's not the case. But when I look at the other side of the coin, Greg, I don't think the Sens are in a position right now to be overspending on anybody right now. So, you know, and, 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 and not because they're cheaping out like they've been accused of in the past. Right now, the Sens have just over $17 million in cap space and they only have 11 players signed to their active roster. So my point there is, while the Sens have said they want to get this guy done long-term, they'd like to do that, 
I also don't think, based on cap space or lack thereof, that you had to twist Pierre Dorian's arm too hard before he started thinking about the idea of dealing to break it. But it's going to come down to the return, though, right? Like, uh, of course. What's the ask? Are are, are you looking for a uh, a package of uh, picks and prospects, or are you looking for a package of uh, a bona fide superstar and and maybe one or two other players? I don't know. Like the ask is one thing, the return that you're you're getting back, the offers coming the other way are another thing, and I I just I can't help thinking that the best deal here may end up being a combination of picks and prospects because I don't know that anybody's going to be willing to give up too much in the form of a player or players in in a deal here. I think when I look at the situation, because again no picks in the first three rounds, I think Dorian would love to get back in the draft in a meaningful way. And, and he's also thinking about his job, right? I think he'd like to do something splashy at the draft, and you can't do that if your best pick is a fourth-rounder. Yeah. So the downside of that is that if you get back in a Debrinket deal, the very things you traded away to get him in the first place, um, I think you're going to have a hard time selling that to fans. Like they're, they're going to be going, well, what was the point of that deal exactly? Now you've got younger draft picks. Have you just gone ahead and made your draft picks last year? I guess that's where I'd be at a little bit. I think I'd like to see more than just draft picks. I don't know if you're getting a star back per se, but I'd like to see something that helps them in the here and now, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, you 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 classified to break it as a top six, if not a top three, NHL player, um, the forward. So does does that mean you can actually go out and demand that uh, a, a top six or top three forward, or a or a top four D, or a number one goalie? Like that's what, mm-hmm. if, if you're in Ottawa, that's the way you're assessing it. But I don't know that the rest of the league looks at it that way. Um, he is not big. He is small, smallish, smaller. Um, he, he did not score his usual 40 goals last year. Does that, that to me decreases his, his value, decreases your ask right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. In today's NHL, I, I, I don't know what he's worth to, to teams out there. And I've heard a lot of talk and read a lot of things. And, and most people are looking at it. And it's more like it's a prospects thing because you're not going to get a comparable player that you can just plug and play in your lineup in his spot. You're not going to find, I don't think somebody's going to give you a, a top forward. It's not going to happen. Well, last thought on this thing. I think uh, I feel empathy on both sides, to, to be honest. I mean, it's not what Ottawa fans want to hear. But the reality is I think every player wants to maximize their worth. I think that's completely reasonable. And there's no place better to do that than in the open auction of unrestricted free agency. So I get why DeBrickett and his people would want to do that. And and Ottawa, I think, would be welcome to make a pitch in the midst of UFA. But as we all know, the likelihood of them winning that would not be very high. So I get the DeBrickett angle. But I also get the Sens angle because it's reasonable for them too to just try and push forward and get the most they can for him. Like I said off the top, get the most they can for him while they can. So anyway, it's too bad came to that, like you say, and uh, we'll see how the next, uh, it's not done, it's not done, it's not certain, but it's certainly looking like a trade is uh, is on the way and, and li- in all likelihood uh, sometime before the draft comes to a close, and that's a week and a half away, by the way. We'll take a time out of the program. When we return, we'll get into Sens ownership. The Ottawa Senators have their first new owner in 20 years. 
That's coming up after these words. Introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles now available at Jim K. Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency with electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features, you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity. And with Ford's commitment to sustainability, you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K. Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs or visit us online at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln. We say yes. ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say. The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. All right, welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, the Senator's ownership battle has come to a close. Michael Andlauer is the new owner of the Ottawa Senators. I'm a little concerned, though, Greg. I hope they didn't rush into this. We barely had a chance to talk about Sen's ownership. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad that's over. Our moratorium can end now. We can actually uh, talk about ownership and and know it's not going to be just the same old, same old. Michael Andlauer, the owner of the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs, now the Brantford Bulldogs for this fall, and part owner of the Montreal Canadiens is uh, now taking things over in Ottawa. What say you about that? Well, I, I'm concerned about the fact that I hear from everybody saying, uh, well, you know, it was pretty much, it was going to be Ann Lauer from the get-go. He was the front runner from day one. And I'm thinking, then why did we have to go through all that crap? Why did, why did we have to wait so long? Right. Uh, on the plus side, he's a hockey guy. He's uh, NHL experience inside the, the boardrooms, knows people, uh, therefore has probably got, had many conversations with other teams about uh, things they've done that have worked and things they've done that hasn't worked. So he's got a little more inside knowledge and experience that uh, the, the other crews don't have uh, or didn't have. So in that sense, I'm, I'm happy. Um, I, I'm still concerned that it's so late in the game now, like you just alluded to in the first segment, that the NHL draft is coming up in a week and a half and you've got free agency at the 1st of July. Like, holy smokes, can you really make changes internally? Can you can you really remove a general manager at this point in time? I don't think so. So it looks like it's going to be a little bit of time go by here before we see any changes or big changes, let's say, in the in the front office, the executive offices of the of the senators. So that's a concern, I think. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be rubber stamped, I think, uh, for all the reasons you indicated. But, yeah, it does take some time to ratify everything the league has to be you know that to rubber stamp it and I, but I think I think they're they're completely down with this this idea and and he does seem like the, the thing that I like is that I haven't heard a bad thing about the guy yet I haven't heard anybody come forward with any kind of Melnick like stories about working for the guy in the past uh most of the all the commentary I've heard has been positive about Michael Andlauer the person and the fact that he's involved himself with local ownership that's a good thing I mean sometimes too many cooks spoil spoil the broth, as they say. But I mean, to hear you know, you've got uh, Jason York's brother in the mix as well, uh, Jeff York from Farm Boy. You got the Malhotra family from Claridge Homes. Yorkville Asset Management is in the mix, 
And uh, it's good to have that local flair in there as well. And I, I think that's good. And he's moving to Ottawa. He's He's got um, a love of the game and has been that way his, his entire life. Is he other, oh, let me ask you, is that a good thing in your opinion? Because that can lead that can lead to meddling in hockey affairs that you probably should leave to the experts. Would you do you like that as a as well, a positive? Or normally, be- yes, it's a positive. But then there's the, the case of let's not forget Eugene Melnick had a lifelong love of hockey too. I, I get where you're going there. It's like I have a love of hockey, therefore I know what I'm talking about and I can meddle into general managers' business and stuff. But I, in this case, I think the combination of the love of hockey plus that experience at the NHL board level and seeing and talking and watching how other people run their shows, that sort of tempers any any uh, running askew and running off tangent and suddenly going to tell Pierre Doriel who to trade or not trade or tell the coach what to do. I think that gets tempered by the fact that he's been around long enough and been involved at the NHL level. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. It, it. Like I said, he's a hockey guy. And I appreciate that. Think that I think that was important here because let's face it, a lot of the other deals were more about uh, real estate, like especially the original Remington group. That was with Ryan Reynolds. That was mostly a, a real estate play. So in this case, this is a guy who bought the hockey team because he wants to own a hockey team. The Kimmels were the same way. I think they wanted to own a hockey team. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of changes are, are in the offing here and what kind of things are going to happen and where he can take this group. I love the fact that you just said this local ownership is phenomenal, and he went to them first before anyone else was involved with those people. Um, that tells me that he's going to listen to what those people have to say. He's he's had a lot of conversations with uh, Cyril Leader, so I think that leads to the distinct possibility that Daniel Alfredson's involved, as we've thought all along. So yeah, it, it's everything looks good. It's all rosy. Of course, it could just be the the shiny new car. It could just be the new toy. It could just be the the, the first day, everything looks great, but I think it uh, it still looks good, and it's already day two or three by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A billion dollars it almost cost. $950 million is the reported uh, price tag on this thing, and it's one thing to get all that money together. I, I don't imagine that Andlauer's worth is a ton more than the actual price of the Ottawa Senators, and that's why he needed to have partners in on this thing. And so it's one thing to assemble all the money you need for the price tag, it's another moving forward to have all the operational costs taken care of in, in a good way. It's, you know, it, it, that's, that's a, another, another add on when at the same time you're trying to you know pay off this price tag. So we'll see how it goes. My point is, is like, it's exciting right now. And I'm pumped that everything looks like it's in good shape for years to come, but uh, it, it's, it, it's not going to be as, as, as easy as it looks at this moment in time from a money standpoint. And let me pick your brain on this because, as you mentioned, this is going to take a while to get ratified. might be till September until Andlauer is officially the owner of the Ottawa Senators. And so if that's the case, that makes this deal fairly unique because most people are saying, oh, it's not happening till September, so DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian are probably safe. I'm not sure that's the case because this is a unique deal because yep. the sellers are now still part of the ownership. So if they want this thing to go through, they might take some cues from Andlauer as the current owners of this franchise. If Andlauer wants something to ha- happen from a hockey ops standpoint, 
this quite uniquely could still happen where if Andlar wants somebody out, Anna and Olivia Melnick not wanting to mess the deal up, they might go ahead and say, all right, that's what we'll do. Yes, we really should talk before you go on the air, Steve, because that was that was a question I was going to throw at you. I was thinking the exact same thing. Okay, so you can't do anything because you're not officially the owner. But the people who own the club now, they are still officially owners. So can Ann Lauer tell the girls, fire this guy? I wonder if there's something in the deal from the Ann Lauer side that says, yes, we'll take over. Here's your money. Uh, but this has to happen by this date and this has to happen by that date. And those things are you clean house, like the GM's gone, the coach is gone, the scouting staff's gone, whatever. You know, it'd be interesting to see when the decision gets made. If, if in fact, there's a house cleaning, a small or a big one, what date does it happen? You know, will it happen before or after the official ratification? I know that there's a board of governors meets uh, like, I think the 22nd of this month. How come we have to wait till September? Like, why can't it be done then? But I would think that, yeah, we own the hockey club now. We know we're going to own the hockey club. We tell the girls something. The girls tell Pierre something. So like Pierre sitting there going, I want to sign to break it. I want to give him $60 million over the next eight years. He has to ask his little three-man board, the three-man board, ask the girls. The girls ask Ann Lauer and back down the chain and boom, you can make decisions. I would think that all of that is in play right now. So where are you at right now, now that we've gotten through it? Are, are Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith going to be at the uh, at the helm for the ship, good ship senators in the fall? <laughs> I have a feeling they will be. I, I, kinda, I, I know that originally when we first started talking about this with ownership changeovers, I, I thought at least one, if not both, were done. But the fact that it has taken this long uh, leads me to believe that uh, that they're going to stay. They have to be. They have to be in place for the draft. They have to be in place for free agency. So that tells me you're going to leave them there, at least Pierre's side of things. And from what Pierre has said in the past, I don't think he's letting DJ go unless he's told to. So if, if he's still there, DJ's still there, I think they're there into next season and something. Now, somebody above them may come in, obviously, but I think they're still there into the season starting anyway. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that right now my, my gut would say DJ Smith because we see how easily coaches can be replaced, but more and more you hear how the players are, you know, fans of DJ Smith. I keep hearing that again and again, including from the Debrinket camp. Um, the top players on the Ottawa senators all like DJ Smith. Um, and, and that, and I hear that from a perspective of excuse me, one thing to say in front of a microphone, everybody loves the coach when the mic is on because nobody wants to screw with their own ice time, right? Or their connection or their relationship with their coach. This is hearing when mics aren't on how big a fan players are of DJ Smith. And I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe the team could be, maybe the team could use some uncomfortable coaching you know, not negative, not toxic or anything like that, but maybe maybe they're having a little too much fun coming to the rink. Maybe they could use a little bit of uh, the taskmaster angle rather than the uh, the one of the boys that DJ Smith seems to be. Well, we've been on agreement on that point forever. But yeah, they, this team requires a taskmaster to a certain level. Uh, a taskmaster does, master doesn't have to be a, a jerk. Just somebody who's going to hold people accountable. Just somebody who's going to make it clear that there are consequences for your actions. There are consequences for your mistakes. 
and that has not been in place here for a long time. So, yeah, I, I, I think this team would benefit from somebody who's a little tougher on them. Um, but do you risk losing them, uh, the players as a group, if you make a coaching change that's very unpopular with the players? Yeah, it's such a fine balance. You can lose the player to the good or to the bad. You know, you got that whole mistaking kindness for weakness when you're too much of a player's coach. If you're an a-hole, as some of the taskmaster coaches are, you lose the coach, or lose the player in that manner as well. So it's such a fine balance to uh, to weigh the negative and the positive, and uh, and try and come out with a W at the end of the night or at the end of the season. We'll take a time out of the program when we come back. The Vegas Golden Knights had a win at the end of the season. The biggest win of all, Mark Stone hoisting the Stanley Cup. We'll get to that after these words. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln. We say yes! The silver trophy to the Golden Knights! And there it is, the final moments of the Vegas Golden Knights winning their first Stanley Cup in their six-year existence. Oh, poor fans had to wait so, so long. What a blowout in game number five, a 9-3 victory over the Florida Panthers. Not sure we've seen a blowout like that in any Stanley Cup final clinching game ever. But, uh, yeah, Mark Stone is awarded the Stanley Cup by Gary Bettman. So, I think if you're a Sens fan, you felt a little nostalgic, felt good for the guy, although there are some who are a bit bitter about it. But, uh, generally speaking, need to see Mark Stone hoist the big cup. What did you think of the final game? Uh, it, it was just a matter of time. Vegas was going to win all along, and I think uh, you, got, you by the end of the first period, the game was probably over, and I don't think that the Bob had his heart in it the rest of the way, and you know, you, you goals started going in left and right that shouldn't be happening. You got an empty netter at the end. You've got one with, what, less than a minute to play, a 9-3 game. Yeah, it was probably more like 6 or 7-3, to three, but really the Florida's heart was gone. Possibly part of their heart was gone when the opening lineup was announced or the roster was announced, and and uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk wasn't even playing. So they were they were they were done long before the final buzzer. Yeah, it sort of vindicated what I I got some yeah. grief from people saying, you know, how oh, Steve, you can't be suggesting that Matthew Kachuk wouldn't play in the final game. Let, let's be clear. I thought, I mean, Kachuk is right there among the MVPs of the entire league. Of course, I want him in there. But to me, I saw a player in the game before where he's out there playing with a broken sternum, as we learned later. I saw a player who had fallen off so much from the star that he is that I thought he was moving into liability mode. Uh, not to mention, you know, I don't know what the what the impact is of a broken sternum and if that can, you know, go really wrong for you. And uh, anyway, that... Uh, that was certainly a blow to them for sure, and and you're right. That looked like a team like if you, I would never want to see the NHL go to a curling model where you're getting so hammered in a match where you shake hands after seven ends. But I, you know what? In the circumstances of that game, 
If after the second period, Paul Maurice walked over and shook Bruce Cassidy's hand and allowed them to get on with their celebration, I don't think there'd be that many people complaining to the good or the bad. Well, it's never going to happen, Steve. Come on, the hockey no, I know. mentality. <laughs> what you got a point. You do have a point. I just thought it, it, it's happened before. I, I, one of the Edmonton Philly games, I, it might have been even the, even the clincher. But I mean, we're going whack a long way, but one of those games. And Dave Poulin was actually talking about it in comparison to this game that I, he was on the end of one of those. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't know how you get around it. It's tough. They want to still compete. They want to. They want to give their all. But uh, yeah, it was it was long over. I, I I actually, you know what? I think it was over in game one or two. It was that obvious. I thought from the get go that Vegas was the better team, and Florida managed to man up and and take game three. But they weren't going to win the series. I think most people knew that. I just think it's cool. I, I love watching the whole ending of a Stanley Cup final. I love watching the cup come out on the ice and the hoopla and everything around it, and Phil Pritchard there with the white gloves and. And the whole idea of okay, they hand this the captain now. Who the captain's going to give it to? You know who the who what the lineup's going to be like as they hand it out. And ever since uh, sometime in the, I don't know within the last ten years or so, now they hang out on the ice forever. Like it used to be, you got the cup. Each guy got a little lap with it. They walked off. They were gone. Right. And all those all those interviews used to happen in the dressing room with Ron McLean or Dave Hodge getting doused in champagne in the room. Now they're out on the ice forever, and their families are there. And I just think it's cool. And it's unlike any other sport. I, I love the whole spectacle of the of the Stanley Cup final. Are you a believer that maybe the Florida Panthers had too much time off between the conference final sweep and the Stanley Cup final? Some have suggested that that can, if you're a team that was barely got in by the skin of your teeth, you're the 17th overall team in the NHL, but you go in this crazy heater with great momentum that the last thing you need is that amount of time off. What was it, 13 days? Yeah, yeah. And we talked about it at the time, too, the idea of the Bob was on fire, and, and at his age he could use a rest, but it turned into too much, right? I, mm-hmm. If they'd started it right away, even after Vegas had clinched, we still waited, I think, four days at least. I think Vegas clinched their their uh, position on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and we didn't start the final till a Saturday if we could have started game one earlier, it might have helped. But I'm I'm sure in Florida's back of the line of the Florida Panthers, they're thinking that, that the rest uh, might have hurt them in the end. But you never know, right? Because if you've got a bunch of injuries, guys get a chance to rest up. The, the smaller injuries I'm talking about. Um, so it, it, it in, in some years, it's probably a plus. For, for every team that said, hey, we had to wait too damn long and we lost because of it, there's probably teams out there that said, you know, if we had two or three more days of rest, we, we, we might have had a shot here. So it's one of those things that just probably changes from year to year, depending on who the teams are and, and what kind of shape they're in. Yeah. I would say that that was a more dominant performance, even though it went five games, Vegas beating Florida, than the Florida sweep of Carolina. Like, that's as close a sweep series as you'll ever see. And uh, I don't know, just... That was a that was an absolute beatdown. That was a no doubter, and a nine to three victory is crazy at the end. And I want to ask you about the result because I like Mark Stone. I'm a fan. Loved his time in Ottawa. Respect the hell out of the guy. But I had a big problem with in an eight three game that was long decided, where you get three clean opportunities at an empty net from your own end, and you miss the first two, and it's an icing call. 
And then on the third try, you bury it to make it eight, three with about, I don't know, five or six minutes max left in the game to make it eight to three. And you do your normal Mark stone just scored an overtime, a game seven type of a reaction. I thought that was a little over the top. I'm again, I love Mark stone, but man, I'd like to, I'd like to see that not happen again. And, and you know what, honestly, if I'm a member of the Florida Panthers, that wouldn't be the time and place, obviously. And then in the moment of, you know, settling away a Stanley Cup. But I took a number. I might yep. deal with that next season. I wonder if a member of the Vegas Golden Knights even said something to him. That was, yeah. it's in, in a man who is, nobody celebrates goals, but quite like Mark Stone does. And and I thought the same thing when I watched it happening. I, I was kind of surprised they were even taking shots. Like, don't just chip it out of your own zone. The game's over. You don't need an empty net goal. Why are you even shooting at it? Let alone trying to try, let alone scoring and celebrating the way you did. Why are you? Why were you even shooting at it to begin with? And then the last you, want, you watch the hat trick, right? I get it. Okay, fine. You want a hat trick? Okay. But then the last goal. Why, why are you even that deep in the zone for checking with a minute left? Like just dump it in and stand at center ice. Like what are you doing? I yeah, that, that was a hard working goal. Like that was going hard to the net and chipping one yeah. in, and it was like. They, yeah, they, they certainly, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that, that was, that, it is a little strange. I, I wonder, you know, we're, we're, wouldn't you love to be privy to some of the conversations that were going on during the handshakes or some of the, some of the conversations that were going on in either dress room afterwards about those things. Just some, yeah. some, uh, there would be certain players, even on his own team who would look at it and, and be not too pleased with the, what, what went down in the last five minutes of that game, even some of the some of the more veteran or more old school type players that play for Vegas probably weren't too impressed with it. Mentioned this off the top, said we'd get to it. Don't want to forget to get to it. In that the Ottawa Senators have a new owner in Michael Andlauer, and before long, he will probably take a shot at some kind of an arena, either in LeBreton Flats or downtown. And at uh, this week's city council meeting, when the the media came calling, as they always do at the end of these city council meetings, Mark Sutcliffe was asked directly about uh, a downtown arena with the new owner. And Mark talked about, and we call him Mark because, well, I worked with him for a very long time in radio. But uh, Mark talked about the idea of, uh, you know, looking forward to meeting Michael Landlauer for the first time. And he really... I mean, when he got down to it, he really pushed for the idea of maybe a downtown, not La Breton Flats type downtown, but really more, even more central than that. And uh, what he said was, the way I'm looking at it is that we've got one shot at doing this right for the next 50 years. And we should be thinking, where is the absolute best place to put the arena rather than what's the default option? Because we've been talking about this for a very long time. And, uh, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it because right now after COVID and people restructuring everything with their workplaces, the downtown core could use a little something, something. So if you're the mayor of a city like that, this might be something that you might uh, encourage Michael Andlauer to do. Yeah. And, and, and the way he first, when I first heard him quoted and the way he was talking, it sounded like downtown, really downtown, like, like he's really zeroing in on, to me, it sounded like the only thing was the D&D that we'd heard about the D&D building there beside the Shaw Center 
because all of the other places aren't really within what he was considering to be right downtown. But then today he expanded, I think, or yesterday he expanded, sorry, and, and had some, what were, the, what were the sections or what were the streets that you had? Um, yeah, you got uh, the government buildings up for sale uh, that uh, you got um, this whole downtown block, Bank Street to O'Connor, west to east, Laurier Avenue to Gloucester Street, north to south. Uh, so some of these government buildings would be available. So that would create lots of space to build a new arena. And uh, Sutcliffe said he didn't have a particular site in mind, but uh, agrees the block with the two Lesplanade Laurier Towers and the commercial building there between Bank and O'Connor would be a great location. Yeah, uh, you've also got the Department of National Defense on Colonel By, and uh, that's right next to the Shaw Center. So there certainly are other options. Well, how, how do you feel? To me, if you're going downtown, downtown, uh, you're a long way from the market. People aren't going to walk to the market for their for their drinking and eating. So, is there enough space in those downtown blocks, those core sections that you're that he's talking about? Even they've said D and D. There's not really a lot of space there beyond putting in a rink. Like and, and you're away from things. So at least you're closer to maybe Elgin Street there. Uh, I don't know. I uh, If the whole idea is to make it a, a destination with restaurants and bars around it, those locations are going to be difficult other than just building a rink, aren't they? Well, I mean, there's not even that much at Le Breton when you think about it. I mean, Gary Bettman was uh, looking and kind of suggesting that uh, it's not the biggest spot in the world and there might be opportunities there to expand on that, take a bigger chunk of land. But for the time being, in the status quo, it's really not very big at all. What do they say, six acres or something like that? And uh, yeah. so you'd be relying on the light rail, and it's, it's basically right across from suburbia as well. So I don't know if the Lebreton site is absolutely perfect size-wise either. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to... Right, yeah, of course. Yeah. And when they, yeah. when they looked like they were going to turn the whole thing over, the entire LeBreton project over to, uh, I guess it would be Melnick and John Ruddy at some stage, but uh, uh, that has uh, that day has passed. But yeah, I'll, I'll defer to the mayor of Ottawa, and that uh, that might be a site that could work down the road. Um, but that's a story for another day, as we say. Sure. Um, the Sens did do something else yesterday. They signed a a couple of days ago. They signed Swedish forward Oscar Pettersson, and he was a third rounder last year. So he signed his entry-level contract. He had a very good junior season, started out like a house on fire in the junior ranks with 23 goals in 24 games. But then on the adult side of things, moving in with the the top league, the men, he had two points in 29 games. So he was representing Team Sweden at World Juniors. So Patterson is a guy that I, I was aware of. That's their third rounder last year. But all of a sudden, Pierre Dorian... In the club statement, he says, Oscar has quickly become one of the organization's top prospects. I'm like, what's happened? I mean, I guess, is, is this just a standard piece of marketing? Because if it is, it's, I don't know, that's, that's an awfully lofty thing to say about your third rounder with two no, points on playing with the men. No, it's not. It's not a reflection on Oscar Peterson. Sorry, Patterson, the pianist. It's not saying that he's a great player. It's saying that we don't have a lot of prospects. I read it that way. And yeah, he is one of your top prospects because you really don't have a lot. They're all here. Yeah, maybe he is speaking honestly, but, uh, you know, it also it may be also a case of, you know, he is in job audition mode, so he could be trying to sell the new brass on past draft accomplishments. 
So, but yeah, it may, it may also be a case that he's just uh, flat out telling the truth because things are getting a little lean or bare in the prospect cupboard. So that, uh, that happened this week as far as building the roster. <clears throat> Former Ottawa Senator Eric Carlson in the news. And it looks like uh, the talks between, uh, well, the Sharks and somebody have heated up again. Uh, the Sharks and their star defensemen are apparently, according to TSN's Pierre Lebrun, they are now on the same page about working out a trade after his representatives met with management last week. And Carlson now wants to play for a contender while the Sharks are looking to rebuild. And uh, what do you think about that? He's, uh, he's four years into his eight-year contract. Not unlike Mark Stone, I think he's on the same timeline as far as his deal goes. But he's uh, he's considerably wealthier. $11.5 million cap hit. There is just not a lot of teams that would be able to take that on. Do you find somebody willing to uh, eat, uh, I don't know, 25% of that contract and, and just straight up will give you the cap? We'll take Carlson back. You can have the cat, and uh, off we go. We're all good. But you got to keep. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's pay him eight. The senators will pay him eight. They're, they're, if they're willing to pay the cat eight, are you willing to pay the king eight? Maybe maybe yeah. you want to make some, just make some other trade in there. A three way deal. You could. You'd probably want to move uh, one of your. Maybe you'd want to move one of the better defensemen. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Would you do it? You'd have to get Arizona involved. I think to take yeah. on a bunch of uh, you know dead cap money or whatever. Um, yeah. I think I like Eric Carlson better than Thomas Shabbat. So right now. The, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, where, where things will be in two or three years, but I mean, he had his finest season. He's going to win the Norris trophy. It's not, I can't, I can't just dismiss all that, that because the games, I didn't see many, see many games there at Carlson, but when the Sens took on Ottawa this year, or sorry, the Sharks took on Ottawa this year, I said to myself, man, Carlson's mobility is back to normal. Like, he looks as good as he ever did as far as his feet go and his quickness. Um, that first stride is is back, and I haven't seen it for a long time. And uh, so he, he could, he'll he be of use to somebody, and the Sharks will get it done, but I don't know that the Sens are the right fit. Um. Would I do that for Debrinkit? I don't think so. Although you could talk me into it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but there's there's the possibility. Let's face it. Uh, Columbus has shown us that deals can get done. Like yes. you, you, how many general managers say, "Oh, it's so hard to trade in this league with a salary cap and yada yada yada." Uh, a three way deal gets done. A one for one, and with a couple of things, uh, uh, draft picks in it gets done. So why why couldn't they make a deal? Why couldn't they find somebody with a goalie that they like who might be mildly interested in either Debrink or Carlson and work a three-way trade around that? It, it, you know, somebody's got to keep some money, but uh, the Senators get rid of Debrink it, get a goaltender, uh, and Carlson's in on the deal somehow or other. I, I, could, I could work with that because if you want to get that goaltender, it's going to, a good goaltender, it's going to cost you something. So the Debrinket uh, kind of makes sense in that in that realm, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, it can be done. I, I wouldn't want Carlson for Debrinket one for one. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and you couldn't talk me into it. So <laughs> I'm not with you on that one. All right. Fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. Don't forget about our website that we have. And uh, the website is SendsNationHockey.com. 
We really appreciate you being here today. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.